Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. When children love learning, they can tackle any challenge life throws at them. Sylvan's insight assessment can help you determine if your child is ready for what's ahead. It can also identify gaps in learning and point out areas that could be of concern for your child so they can tackle what's to come. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Michael Kist. Are you caught me not listening again? Benjamin Solak. You never listen! It's the Kist and Solak Show. Presented by SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. You are flying high on the Kist and Solak Show. This is episode 198. Brought to you by the fine folk at SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. I am your host, Michael Kist. Follow me on Twitter at MichaelKistNFL. That's K-I-S-T. As always... Joined by the best doggone co-host in the game, Mr. Tenure Streak Without a Bad Day. He is Benjamin Solak. Follow him on Twitter at Benjamin Solak. That's S-O-L-A-K. Ben, Eagles win, and I finally get to say you're flying high. I about to high. say, I expected more juice on that one there, Chief. I, it's late. I don't want to... It's been like... Oh, right, right, true. We got You got a kid you want to wake up. <laughs> you are excused. But I am, I am excited the Eagles somehow pull this off 25-20 to 20 over the 49ers, get their first dub of the season, and at 1-2-1... One, they are dominating the mm-hmm. NFC East. How are you doing, brother? I mean, we've talked on this podcast a thousand times. You take ties where you can get them so that you lead the division in week four. <laughs> this is this has always been the way. The analytics has proven that you just punt for ties so that you have a half game lead over the one and three Washington football team and the one and three Dallas Cowboys, Mike. This is the way you gotta do it. Man, it was not pretty. It was not easy. And it got extremely sketchy there at the end. So, like, welcome back to 2019 Eagles games and how we win them. It's laborious and it's a little bit exhausting. But it's, uh, it feels so nice to win a football game again, man. It's such a relief. You can hear it, like Carson doing the post game with, with Michelle Tafoya. Just like, oh, thank God, the monkey's off our back, right? And, like, it, it, are all these teams' problems solved? Absolutely not. Is this team going to be good for the next month who knows um but they, they got to win when they really really just needed to get a win especially you know with with one two and one actually putting them atop the division uh so so kudos to them kudos to a lot of guys who showed a lot of fight a lot of spunk kudos to the leaders of the team who really stepped up uh they clearly came out and and we're serious about it and and congratulations to them on that it's it's so good to see a win again brother how about i don't, I don't know if your brain did this but my brain certainly did. Travis Fulgham, the the, the big play to get a second and 18 from the 42. Wentz lost one to Fulgham. And no lie, my brain legitimately mistook him for Nelson Aguilar when the ball was in oh, the yeah. air. When I first saw him in 13, I was like, Deontay Burnett, what are you doing? <laughs> and then it was, it was, I was like, that's too big for Deontay Burnett. And Deontay Burnett is even active. Who can keep track of these things anyway? Uh, I was like, that's, that's Travis Fulgham. Travis, no. Like, <laughs> obviously... There's no worse luck than what's already currently happening in Philadelphia. It's not like we can get lower than this, but still, that's begging for a problem. And when he bobbled that ball on the sideline, I was about to say, <laughs> we just got to burn the jersey. Yeah. You just can't. Nobody can wear 13 
ever again. Oh, Jiminy Christmas, man. And he, it, Travis Fulgham. He hauls it in. He even does like the front flip, which reminded me of Nelly too, right? Like just a, a the, against Arizona. A, a spit, right? Yep. Like falling back. But dude, that and, and and Chris Collinsworth did a good job breaking down and identifying the nature of that throw. You and I have talked a lot about how a revolving wide receiver room affects a quarterback's ability to play with confidence and timing. Wentz three-stepped and ripped it, right? I mean, that's that's some dude that came in the middle of training camp that presumably Wentz has barely worked with in the first team, who, you know, we, we see him throwing a curl route to Travis Fulgham on video on Thursday when, every you know, uh, John Hightower's out with illness, all the other guys have their injuries, and we're like, oh my God, he's throwing it literally to a stranger. Fast forward three days, and it's second and 18, there have been no shot plays by either team. I mean, there was one Nick Mullins to George Kittle vertical route, but there have been no other shot plays, no other vertical routes for either team the whole game. And Wentz like, I'm going to hang this thing up in single coverage to Travis. This guy, Travis, I know. My friend Trav over here. I'm just going to chuck it his way. And Fulgham with a, a good catch, a you know, contested catch, you know, balance on the sideline, whatever. But but the, Wentz put that thing on a bucket. And man, Wentz putting a, a, a throw in a bucket is an extremely big deal. I, I, nothing matters to me. Final score, Alex Singleton, Jim Schwartz scheming, Doug Peterson scheming, offensive line play, all of it combined pales in comparison to the importance of Wentz was just better. Went like people are like, oh, Doug's really scheming a mean one. Doug was pitching about what he was pitching in week yeah. two. I mean, Doug, like you know, getting Carson outside of the pocket. We were working some crossing routes. Uh, they well, they walked away from the isolation stuff of week one, the isolation stuff of week three. Mm-hmm. It was still quick game stuff. You know, you had the slants. Obviously, it's still there, but they're being heavy crossing, heavy motion. They're running power blocking plays, very little zone stuff. They're running fold. They're running bash. They're running dart. They're running wham. That was their week two game game plan against the uh, against the Rams. Wentz just execute. Wentz just throw him blue balls. Like, did, does he miss Greg Ward on a on a? Uh, well, there was a there was a throw he, he was, had Greg Ward. It was on. second down. He was crossing across yeah. the field. I think uh, Ward slowed down. No, 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 no. Not, not that, that one. one. That, not that one. There was an early one where he hit Greg Ward super low and he brought yeah. him to the ground on a slant. Could have gone farther. Miles Sanders he hits him uh, in the shins on a slant. Yeah. Right, the Greg Ward one you were talking about that second and down before the Travis Fulgham uh touchdown or it may have been the drive following i can't recall uh he expects ward to keep going and he doesn't that's the stuff he's been dealing with with these guys for weeks now so there's still those but he was significantly more decisive significantly more accurate and significantly more elusive i mean like every time he tried to bail out of the back of the pocket i was like dude you don't move like this anymore and he broke most tackles i mean that that second and 23 throw to Boston Scott, which ended up, you know, they, they took the penalty to get the first down. That was, that was prototypical Wentz, right? And like, he's, he's breaking tackles from Kerry Hyder. I acknowledge, but also Eric Armstead, that's, that's a good athletic starter in the league. And, and is that super risk prone? Yes. But like, we got the big play reward from mm. it, which we've not typically gotten from Wentz over the course of this season. So everything that's been missing with Wentz, decisiveness, comfort, playmaking ability and and most importantly to me accuracy confidence throwing the ball where it belongs it was there and we talked about this during the three-game skid Wentz just didn't forget how to throw the football like it was it was gonna come back this was it the fact that they did enough like was the offense good no but the fact that they did enough to win the game in the game in which his accuracy kind of got back and his confidence started to flare a little bit is critical if this game had been dropped by the defense on the Hail Mary 
Think about how pissed Lance would yeah. be. Think about how frustrated he'd be, right? Like, he's been playing so poorly, he finally gets it, right? And the defense can't stop like a Hail Mary or C.J. Beathard or whatever, right? <laughs> so that that's just such a big deal. I mean, it's, it's his fifth year. It's ridiculous we're talking about this. I acknowledge that. There's still so much more meat on the bone. Obviously, the standard for when should be higher than this. But for what he did through the first three weeks, which was just like nightmare DEFCON, what in God's name is happening? Yeah. This was such an important performance. So important. You, you, you go from like wanting to blow the whole thing up to like, okay, Wentz was actually fine tonight. And look, I've been very critical of Wentz throughout this, this whole process and, and took some heat on the timeline for it. But at the same time, again, I don't know what you're expecting from Wentz with the offensive line that he had, with the weapons that he had in this game. We'll talk about Miles Sanders disappearing from the game as things mm-hmm. went too, as we kind of go through this. But like going back to, to the Fulgham thing that it gives the Eagles an 18 to 14 lead with six to go in the fourth. And then Alex Singleton. And by the way, I had no idea that Alex Singleton was active How dare you? tonight until like he made that the, the one run stop. But Nick Mullins, who gets benched after this, throws it right to him. For the pick six, that play has no business happening. Mullins thought he had a curl, but never, or maybe he saw Singleton and threw it anyway, but may have not even seen him. But it's ball game from there. What a sequence of plays to get the W. And even even after that, like things, as, as you kind of mentioned, you know, the defense could have blown it there at the end. Jim Schwartz goes away from everything that was working to everything that didn't work with C.J. Beathard coming in there and just marching right down the field. And uh, really making it uh, a much more interesting experience than it could have been in the W for the Eagles. One thing I do want to note, and I think this this is important to to the game and, and the overall kind of changing of the feel for the Eagles, was the fact that like Doug Peterson going for two on the first touchdown after the, we spent a whole week talking about the 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 cowardice around Doug with the decision to punt, the decision to not go for it, the the you know the two point decision, all that all that stuff. Uh, to come out and say, okay, we're going to be aggressive right out of the gate. Like, that's the Doug Peterson that I'm more accustomed to. That's that's the Doug that I really like. And it kind of changed how this game played out. Overall, any thoughts on, on like, Doug's aggressiveness or or anything that you saw from Doug's game plan that was that was different? Oh, I mean, every, like, well, like, like, any thoughts? I have 25,000 <laughs> thoughts. Know Which do. one would you like? <laughs> that's yeah, why I wanted to leave it goes. open. Opening couple series. Got Wentz moving outside of the pocket. Yeah. I mean, the first drive was run with Miles Sanders, run with Miles Sanders, dump off Miles Sanders. And they Sanders, figured out a good one. Complete, <laughs> right, which was like, aha, so we will not be able to run the ball. And a lot of people said we wanted more runs with Miles Sanders. And I hear that. Like, So Miles Sanders had a couple of really nice runs on early drives on the touchdown drive. He was impressive, ripped off a couple eight-yard runs. He had the, the long pass. But the thing is, like, they, they when they were – working like that influence trap when they were working that fold block and they were getting the penetration they expected, they were getting running lanes, but they were not winning a lot of their one-on-one blocks unless it was really nicely schemed up. And that's the nature of having prior Herbig, uh, Mylotta, and then Driscoll in there. I mean, this is no offensive line in the league has been affected. Like the Eagles offensive line has been affected. The Eagles have been pouring resources into the offensive line forever. And thank goodness they have, because they have these guys and that's good and that's exciting. But also like it's four total career starts in the offensive line. So they did a lot of really smart stuff in terms of keeping Nate Herbig in the first level and not asking him to climb to the second level. They have uh, uh, Jason Kelsey constantly on the move. Kelsey was a marathon runner for this game. He was constantly moving yeah. on a lot of their their concepts. They're, they're working to get Miles Sanders outside of the tackle box and, and, and things of this nature. Obviously, they tried to get 
the the Jalen Hurts zone read game involved again. And for the second week in a row, Jalen Hurts fumbled the football in zone read. <laughs> Another conversation. But anyway. To, to your point, though, like you talk about the way that they kind of protected their, their linemen and let them do what they did right. well. Prior and Herbig being able to pin while Kelsey pulls. Jordan Mailata was not noticeable as a negative in this game. In fact, I, and I reserve the right to change his opinion upon review, but I say that he held his own for the most part. But they definitely did help him. They rolled away from him and, and, and things of that nature. So I really do feel like they came into this into this game and were able to adjust where before they had real issues with it. It's, it feels like they're starting to figure that part out. Right. And that and like if any team knows how we've said this before to like protect a tackle. It's the Eagles. They did it with Vitae all the way through the 2017 Super Bowl. <laughs> it was bad in Detroit um, right now, yeah. Right. And you can't really do much protecting when it's, you know, two tackles you're worried about. And then obviously you have to leave your guards on islands a little bit. Uh, so difficult situation there. Miles Sanders was really good in pass protection uh, when he was left inside, which was a big deal. He stepped up. Uh, and you could tell that that was a priority for him in this game. They did a lot of inline tight end stuff. Zacherts was constantly in line in the formation. That's all about being able to negate a soft edge for your for your tackles. And if that means Zacherts has four receptions for nine yards, it means Zacherts has four receptions for nine yards. Obviously, you know, Richard Rodriguez, shout out Dick Rod, like also somehow decided to be a person in the receiving game, which is shocking and new. But you left, you leave those tight ends in line on the formation, on the line of scrimmage to help chip and to help just by alignment take away the initial speed outside rush of some of the Niners outside guys that helps your tackles. You have to worry about the depth of their sets where you have about getting beat off the line of scrimmage. Now, of course, you get the false start from Jordan Mailata on third and one, which Jordan Mailata is not the first person in history to false start on third and one. You know what I mean? Like that's Jason Peters used to do that all the time. Right. Um, but you get that third and one false start. It becomes third and six and the Eagles are unable to convert, uh, you get that that happened at the San Francisco 47. Uh, you're at the San Francisco 45 on the next drive, and that's where you get the missed snap from Jason Kelsey when Kelsey had to go out. Zariga, Zariga came in at one point. I mean, Mike, challenge what school did Luke Zariga go to? Exactly, right? <laughs> <laughs> like, we cover the team professionally, but anyway, um. You get the, uh, the the missed snap when Kelsey comes back in, and all of a sudden it's second and 27 when you're on the San Francisco 45. So little mistakes on the offensive line, you know, continuing to get banged up, continuing to have young guys in there who are making errors. So you're limited in your running game, and you're getting issues that are putting you behind the sticks when your passing game is not explosive enough to succeed at being behind the sticks. Or at least we believe that until Travis Fulgham made the greatest play in Philadelphia Eagles history. Not important right now. So the offensive line is an issue. Uh, they did a really nice job, I thought, generally IDing where blitzes were coming from and getting protection sliding that way. The Niners wanted to bring five, bring six, and be successful. And like I said, Sanders was great in pass protection. I think Kelsey was really, really good at, at sniffing stuff out. I don't know how much Wentz was helping with that. It, you hear it happening. You hear them calling out like, he's hot, he's hot, action, action, action. Yeah. But you don't know who's calling it. Sometimes it's the wide receiver. So it would be curious to go back to the broadcast and try to find that sort of stuff. The test that they have in front of them with the Steelers is a whole different breed. Nobody is blitzing more than Pittsburgh is right now. And when they play Baltimore in the following week, that's a top three team in blitz rate. Uh, They're going to throw everything at this offensive line. Uh, And and the challenge for Jeff Statham will be in keeping things simple, but not keeping things predictable. And that's a very hard ask when you don't like, especially if Lane misses time, who do you, who do you, who do you rely on? Like, so Kelsey's one, who's your second guy on that line? If you're like, all right, this guy I can trust to like handle X Nate Herbie against Cam Hayward. Mm. 
Jordan Mylott against Bud Dupree. <laughs> Jack Driscoll against TJ Watt. Like, that's what we're looking at coming up. Uh, so this line did its job admirably. They were well coached. They were well prepared. And they were well sought after, looked after by the coaching staff and by the game plan against the Niners defensive line that was missing a ton of talent. Uh, these next two weeks, I'm not sure that's going to go as well. And I'm extremely interested to see what they're able to do to in any way assuage what is currently the worst offensive line situation in the league mm. against uh, an absolute murderer's row of blitzers. But for tonight, it was enough. Yeah, it got the job done against a, a line that went from elite to mid-tier after the injuries that they suffered. We'll see when they go up against a line like the Steelers, like like the Ravens. Uh, and let, let's let's kind of go back to some some play-calling decisions here because I, I want your opinion on this. The, the last drive for the Eagles where they could have kind of put the game away and not giving the 49ers the ball back. They get it back with 201, right? And I think the the first run was with Clement and then it was with Boston Scott on the second one and then the third you had the uh, the the sack that Wentz took. So I actually dug the call to 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 on third down to to roll out see if it's yes. there and then holster it and eat clock if you need to. Yeah, it's a great call. On third and nine, you have to be to some degree conservative. You do not have a consistent man beater. You stole a fourth and four slant on John Hightower. That was against the God's will. That like you know you don't want to tempt fate a second time with like you know run an isolation route with with Greg Ward. This is gonna go great. Um, so there's not a guy like you don't have a Michael Thomas that you're just like all right, just go beat your man and I'll throw you the football wherever you end up. Right, like that guy's in there. So roll out. If you get a quick leverage, throw it. If you don't, eat it. And that's exactly what Carson Wentz did. He rolled out. He stopped his feet, looked for the throw, decided not to, and ducked. Yep. Perfect. Why are you in third and nine? Correct. There you go. At 2.01 with three timeouts left. The clock's going to stop on Niners. an incomplete pass anyway. Exactly. The clock will stop no matter the results of the incoming play. Mm-hmm. Thereby, you can pass or run without any fear. If you're going to run, at least make it look sneaky. Which I guess, like, maybe putting Clement back there under center with, like, two tight ends in. He's like, ho, ho, who knows? Like, what, are you going to run play action? You can put Carson Wentz back to the defense in this context? No. So they run it with Corey Clement on with 201 left. Massive strategic failure. Just, just consummate issue. Uh, second and nine, they come out with six offensive linemen. Yeah. Jack Driscoll, Jack Driscoll at fullback. Yeah. Motion him out to tight end. <laughs> Guess what the Niners knew what they were going to do once they had 6-0 line out and definitely once they motioned Jack Driscoll to line of scrimmage. 100%. I thought they were going to pass the Jack Driscoll. No, they're going <laughs> to run it. Like, what? With Clement again, right? Which everybody noted that Miles Sanders once again f- faded down the stretch. And I don't know to what degree that's a coaching decision or if that's a conditioning thing. We've heard Miles Sanders bring up multiple times now that he feels like he's having trouble getting through a full game. Mm. The Eagles heavily relied upon him he was the focus of their offensive game plan in like the first four drives yeah targets receptions the whole first drive was sanders three and out it was the whole first drive and then he just he just vanishes he evaporates in the third quarter and in the fourth quarter and if this is a conditioning problem well miles you talked a lot of mess about being the great being the bell cow back what are what are we doing here right obviously you were banged up but like what are we doing here and if it's a coaching thing Oh, man, I mean, Boston Scott was fun last year, fellas. I get it. But Miles Sanders is fast and strong and not small. Like, there's, there's like you're, you're getting a little bit too cute. Yep. But if we want to start talking about too cute, 
what is the one thing this coaching staff always does that makes me want to absolutely throw something through my television? And, of course, we're waiting to hear from, like, Doug Peterson, and we'll see if anything pops up on the timeline as far as what the actual right. reason – because I'm 100% sure Philadelphia media is going to ask that question. We can definitely – They should. Count on but, them for that, yeah. Right, but in, in terms of, of numbskull decisions – Right. Just that whole process why? is still bad, even if Miles right. Sanders is hurt or whatever. Right, but like that's that's one thing. Yeah. My thing that just drives me absolutely up the wall is that this team will not stop running plays that lose yardage <laughs> in field goal range. Yeah. Every time. The the, Second the reverse to end around yeah. the the twelve yard right, loss. Right, right. First and ten from the twenty seven, <laughs> and we finally get Adrian Killens the touch he deserves. <laughs> what are you doing? Twelve yards wide line of scrimmage. Twelve. Yeah. Crazy. Fake handoff, fake, uh, uh, you know, little like jet, fake, uh, fake, fake handoff, fake the jet, and do a little toss end around. Every San Francisco 49ers defensive player who's on the far side of the formation is like, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> sure. We didn't think the run to the boundary with Corey Clement was scary enough to go diving after it. So those 12 yards, they were on the 27-yard line. It's a 44-yard field goal. Not sure if that's in Jake Elliott's range, mind you, but it's a 44-yard field goal. Then they get bailed out. Carson Wentz was a 17-yard dart to Boston Scott in the scramble play. They get the illegal contact penalty. First and 10 at the 34. What do they do with the 34, Mike? First and 10 at the 34? Well, zone read with Jalen Hurts. Last time we tried this, it was a fumble. Let's see what happens this time. He muffs the snap. Yep. Bad snap. So Kelsey's, Kelsey had snap problems in this game. Yeah. But muffs the snap. Ball's recovered at the 42. And then Carson Wentz throws second and 18 deep bomb to Travis Fulgham, as we all knew was going to happen. Correct. At the five yard line, but it's it's the fact that like you know there was a um on, even on third and six in that drive, the Eagles had third and six at the San Francisco thirty eight and threw the swing pass to Miles Sanders behind the line of scrimmage. Why, uh, to, in my head, the only area of the field in which I do not I'm just completely averse to any play developing behind my line is in near field goal range. That's the only place where it costs you anything. Inside field goal range, 3-3, three, three, it's going to be a little bit harder or whatever. In the red zone, still just a three-point versus seven-point. Like, if you like to play or whatever. It is the only area of the field where you could potentially lose points by losing yardage. And the Eagles and Doug Peterson think it's the best area for screens. It's the best area for trick plays. It blows my mind. Mm. How does this? How is this analytically supported? There's no way, right? Like, no. they have to know that, that a TFL has the most EPA in, inside your opponent's 38 yeah. <laughs> like that to me that's just completely logical so so that that decision making i i found just offensive and then as per usual the eagles uh not i shouldn't say as per usual because they've had no leads in the fourth quarter this year but as we've come to expect from jim schwartz and doug peterson in the fourth quarter the other procedure of decision making was all right we've got a two-score lead new quarterback in let's get his confidence up yeah let's get the and, rhythm right and just, all right, I mean, like, there's five minutes left. Uh, yeah, 5.30. We are up 25 to 14. Nine-point lead, or 11-point lead, excuse me. We're just going to sit in zone. Mm. We've been covering these receivers all night. They have one dude. It's Kittle. Let's make sure he has free releases and areas to sit down in, 10 yards in the line. What? Oh, you think, like, they're going to have, what, trouble be running the no huddle? It's a Kyle Shanahan offense. What are you talking about? It's so bad that they continue to sit in soft zone with leads. And then you have the the uh, three and out that the Eagles have, which we talked about. And then once again, the, the Eagles sat in zone and let them get into Hail Mary range. Turn the pass rush up to 12 at 
you know, your own 33, cool. You still, they're still in Hail Mary range. There's still a chance to win this game when you had a a, a 98% win percentage with an 11-point lead with five minutes left. Doesn't make any sense. Let's talk about the defense a little bit more when we come back here on the Kiss and Solak show. But I, I, I do actually, I, I want to point this out. Travis Fulgham was the leading receiver with 57 yards. Only two catches. But yep. Travis Fulgham is your leading receiver on the night. How crazy is that? Dick Rod, three catches for 35. Greg Ward, four for 38. Wild times, man. Zach Ertz, four receptions, nine yards. Has not really been making the case to get that uh, that fancy new contract. Definitely missed Dallas Goddard out there tonight. All right. When we come back, you're on the Kiss and Soul Lake Show. We're going to flip side to the defensive side of the ball. We're going to get to three words from the gentle listeners that describe this game. That's coming up next, right after this. And we are back here on the Kissed and Solex Show, episode 198, SB Nation, Bleeding Green Nation, bringing it to you. Michael Kiss here with Benjamin Solak. Ben, let's talk some defense. I'll just go through some uh, some quick notes. Man, poor Marcus Epps is going to be on a poster that features Brandon Ayuk on the 38-yard touchdown. Just a simple screen. And, I mean, that's that's kind of why you, mm-hmm. you draft a guy like that. His ability after the catch is absolutely right. electric. And also, Ayuk's in a, in a, a stack with Trent Taylor, I think it was, mm. without eight yards off the line of scrimmage at the snap. Like, I looked so? at him, I was like, right. that's the screen. He's like four <laughs> yards off the line, guys. Like, but anyway, um, no, yeah, Marcus Epps, man. Listen, it, sometimes that's just how it goes, brother. Yep, yep, yep that's life. <laughs> I, I respect you, man. You went, for, you went for the hit. It was a good-looking tackle. You weren't too low. Just sometimes you're up against a rookie with a 42-inch vert, brother. <laughs> it's just how it is, man. Derek Barnett. Uh, props to Barnett, man. I, mm-hmm. I thought he I thought he had a real good night. Uh, the bull rush sack on Trent Williams was impressive. He's a legit left tackle and not at all a tight end. Big-time props there. Also had a nice near sack on a, on a spin later. through. Uh, so through one half, I thought he was doing really well. And I thought he came up later in spots as well. So, I mean, that was the kind of the, uh, what we wanted to see against a legit left tackle for Barnett. Uh, Josh Sweat can corner like a MF or dude, and I'm starting to see that over the last couple of weeks. I think he's at three sacks now on the year. Gennard Avery had a sack and also yeah. a key pressure I'm on the interception. Doubted. Right. Never doubted. Right. Uh, he also blew up Mike, Mike McGlinchey on the last drive, who was just getting obliterated at the end there. So fourth round pick justified. Uh, but, but seriously, it is good to see him out there and coming up with some big time impact plays. And hey, first interception of the season for the Eagles. Mm-hmm. Thanks to Avery, uh, a duck ends up in Rodney McLeod's uh, hands. So turnovers do exist. Three turnovers. Right. When was the last time Eagles defense had three turnovers? I Honestly, you should look up that stat because I have no idea. Okay, well, uh, then you'd have to talk for a longer period of time. So I'm not very fast from Bro Football Reference. Well, let's but, talk about the linebackers. So Nate Gary. Oh, dear God, let's not. <laughs> Nate Gary was lost, lost, lost. I mean, well, I don't know if it was the first or the second play for the 49ers, but they ran that leak concept, only they ran leak with the fullback, with with, right. with use check. And I don't know if that was necessarily TJ Edwards' man or Nate Gary's man. All I know is there was nobody within 20 yards of use check, and thankfully Nick Mullins overthrew it. It could have been Edwards, but Edwards was too busy eating dirt uh, near the line of scrimmage as he completely whiffed. And Gary was just, I don't know what Gary was doing in that case. And, you know, I got to watch the film and, and see how Gary performed overall. But he struggled from what I saw. Edwards struggled from what I saw. Uh, Alex Singleton made a couple plays, so at least he's got that going for him. Duke Riley was like the training camp oh, fluff Duke, king. Man. Duke so was bad. good in week one, and I was like, yes. Yeah. And then he's not actually good. Yeah, he was he was bad. And you know, you could say like oh, the, the Eagles should have 
doubled Kittle, and maybe that was sort of the answer, but they were rotating guys in and out to try to cover this man and just could not get the job done against them. Kittle was having his way with, I mean, Kayvon Wallace got a stiff arm and had no chance in, in that situation from from Kittle. Uh, who else on the, on the defense can we talk about? Because I really thought this defensive line had a dominating performance that was wasted by the linebacker play. The coverage overall... Uh, in the running game. So, in like, the running game, the, for sure. Yeah. Because yeah. the defensive line had a dominant performance. And it was wasted by the linebackers in the running game. Once again, you saw the sensation of a run either goes for a yard or 10 yards. Right, right, right. And that's because either the defensive line blew it up or the defensive line didn't blow it up. And the linebackers were not there. The only linebacker who was successfully making plays in the first level was CFL defensive best, most valuable player of the year in 2017, Alex Singleton, who I have said from the beginning, Mike, is the key to unlocking the Eagles linebacker room. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Alex Singleton just triggered on gaps, man. Like he just, he just, oh, there's, that's his like, game. I'm going. Yep. And, and he's, he's, first he's such a high tackler. Every time I was like, dude, just please get lower. These are some like small shifts. Like Jet, Jet McKinnon's like 6'2", but still, yeah. like, these are tough guys. Like he always tackles so high, but it doesn't matter. He was aggressive coming downhill. He's fast to flow. TJ Edwards was fast to flow. The world I, I would use to describe a Eagles defense was that they were playing extremely fast and on misdirectiony stuff, right? Throwback screens and, leak concept and everything that could bite them at times you know when when Shanahan was in his bag with the fake this do that look like this do the other thing it was great but then at other times the Niners are like all right we're gonna run an RPL and we're gonna run a middle screen and this is gonna be the plan and all of a sudden you know Josh Sweat had slanted it or Brandon Graham had slanted inside or or Malik Jackson had swum his block and it's like well that play is nice but the problem is there's a 300 pound man in Nick Mullen's lap this game defensively worked precisely to the model to which Schwartz wants his defense to work. They broke a quarterback. They mm-hmm. broke him. Yep. I mean, that first McLeod pick was the beginning of the end because he's under pressure, he's under dress, he's trying to get outside of the pocket. He just tries to throw up a prayer to make a play, goes too far, McLeod picks it. And after that, I mean, he was just terrified, right? Like he couldn't, even early in the game, he would get frozen in the pocket, right? That Derek Barnett sack where Chris Collins was like, this is the best bull rush I've ever seen. So he has Nick Mullins isn't moving. He like <laughs> stepped into Derek Barnett. Barnett <laughs> had a much higher quality rush than second quarter. He had a good game. Um, but anyway, so, so Mullins was already frozen in the pocket a little bit against pass rushes, especially after that first pick. I mean, he was just fading from pressure, holding on to the football, didn't know where to look. Anytime, like, like, you could hear his internal clock. If he held that ball for more than 1.5 seconds, he was, like, panic mode, eyes here, eyes here, eyes here, eyes here, got away from his progression, didn't know where his hots were. He, they broke that quarterback. Fat pass rush with four, man cover to take away the early reads. Did they get eviscerated by, Kittle, uh, by Kittle? Yeah. Yes. Expected. Why? Because they have nobody to cover him. Right. Because it can't be Jalen Mills, and it can't be Nate Gary, and it can't be TJ Edwards, and it can't be Kayvon Wallace, which, I mean, their best bet was the fourth-round rookie. So that's where the roster's at. They got Rodney McLeod on him on that that two-point conversion, which TJ Beathard obviously should have ran in. Mm-hmm. But because he didn't, he tried to throw it to Kittle, who was being well-covered by McLeod. Why can't they get McLeod on him on every down? Because they have nobody else who can play free safety. Mm-hmm. This is what they did to their roster. This is how it happened. All right, They have nobody who can cover tight ends. That's a problem. So Kittle eviscerated them. They were unwilling to double him. Okay. But man cover, rush with four, 
break the quarterback spirit. Yep. Beathard looked like, you know, the next Tom Brady because the Eagles were just sitting in zone. They were just mm-hmm. tackle everything, keep everything inside, keep the clock running. Hate the strategy. They obviously came away with the win, but still. That was, this This is exactly how it's supposed to go in the passing game for the Eagles every single time. And defensively, 14-point game, right? I mean, like, as BLG was sharing throughout the week, Schwartz held that Shanahan offense to an average of 15 points per game, holds him to 14 before Beathard gets in there for the garbage time six. Mm-hmm. Why? It's because Schwartz is just, like, that offensive line moves around so much. They play so many different angles, so much misdirection, and Schwartz just says, all right, I will give up a 20-yard touchdown on a wide receiver screen on third and seven to your rookie. But by golly, if your quarterback <laughs> is in there for more than 1.5 seconds, We're I'm going to plant him. Yep. And, and like that, <laughs> and for a guy like Mullins, it was just too much for him to handle. Yeah, I uh, The New York Jets in mm. 2019. The Eagles had two games last year. Oh, wow. Uh, the With Jets game. Yeah, they won 31 to 6. And also, fun fact, Sunday Night Football against Atlanta, a game that they lost... 24 to 20 because fourth and two of Russell Douglas cover zero against Julio Jones. Right. Remember I don't, that? I don't remember the three turnovers in that game though. I really don't. But Let's yeah, I mean, it's, look. the Jets make total sense as far as that goes, as far as how yeah, back. Yeah, that was a dominant game. Yeah. Uh, can, is there a way you can just see like a play-by-play that exclusively even, shows turnovers? I don't yeah, know how that works. I don't even think um, it's important, but if you want to do that, I can start to uh, go into three words from the gentle listeners every week as we do on the Kiss and Solak Reaction Sydney Show. Sidney Jones interception to end the first half. Star. Ronald Darby interception on Julio Jones. Get out. Oh, was that? I think that was the inverted cover two play. Yeah. And then, oh, a Nate Gary interception on the goal line. I remember that one. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Ryan just threw it right Wait. to him. Which we haven't even real quick. We haven't even talked about Alex Singleton's interception, which is the greatest play of all time. No, he was looking for the for the for the curl. Singleton didn't have to move. He was just yeah. there. Right. <laughs> it's the fact. Here's the thing. Here's here's the thing that I love about it. I'll tell you the thing I love about it. Here's the thing that I love about it. Nate Gary could have made the play, but didn't. Which That's sets the, the bar. best part. Right. Yeah. Nate Gary. Nate, we would have never heard the end of that if Gary makes that play, and if it's like TJ a nothing Edwards play. Is healthy. Right. Nate Gary's the will. Right. And if Nate Gary's the will, he's curl flat. And if he's curl flat, I, I promise you, I'm I'm positive he makes that play. And you want to know why I'm positive he makes that play? Because he's given up the route to the flat that Kyle Yushik wasn't able to get to because he was stuck in traffic. He gave it up earlier in the game. A hundred thousand times. Yeah, he gave it up earlier in the game. The same, yeah. He exactly. gave it up twice. Yeah. Yeah, right. So I'm positive he actually would have made the play, but he didn't. And you know what that means? We don't get added. Every time Nate Gary makes a mistake for the next, I don't know, six weeks yeah. in pass coverage, Guess what I get to tweet? Alex Singleton's a better cover. Alex Singleton's on the bench. He had pick six. San Francisco 49ers <laughs> critical game winning play. That just gets to be an absolute garbage can about it. And it's it's horrible. And and it's not fair. But Singleton played really well. Eagles defense wanted to play fast. And Singleton was playing fast the whole game. Read, trigger, close. Did he play have mistakes? Yes. Did he have impact plays? Atlanta scrimmage, pick six? Yes. That's the big part. So let's go to three words from the gentle listeners. First one, and I got a real problem with this one. William Haynes at HaynesW1969 says, these are his three words, guys. Eagles should just give up drafting trade-all picks every year. Okay, maybe not fifth round down, but get off for RFAs and cast-offs because we do best with them. Wide receiver, empty uniforms. What about a speedy LB that can't beat out Singleton to get off the field side? <laughs> like, brother, that is not three words. We are not going to read that here on the podcast. So let, let, let's follow the rules here. Three words is your cap. And I, and I did see some good ones. I see some people that actually really uh, confused 
Fulgham for Aguilar. Fulgham, unlike Aguilar from Shane Half at half and half. I really well, do think a lot of people. That's a reference to the, uh, the video with the catching the baby. Yes, yes. Unlike Aguilar. There's a great one from Teddy Biryani, TJ Biryani, who's a longtime listener. Avery, Singleton, Fulgham, and Fulgham is spelled incorrectly, which really just <laughs> nail on the head for how this team is built right now. And that dovetails in with Jason at Philly Hen saying replacements part two if you've seen the movie you know exactly if you put the gif with it you should uh you should understand that all right what else do we have in here but for division so about coming into this game the nfc east was two eleven and one what a crap show dallas drops another one where the browns score 49 points on them Mm -hmm. 49 points from the and dallas still nearly brought it back in the second anyway yeah and it, it became a three-point game at one point, right? Like, Dallas, this is just, that that's the formula for Dallas. We're going to get scored on like crazy. We're going to run cover none defense. It's going to get torched. But our quarterback's going to throw for 475, and we're going to end up, you know, making it something at the very end of the game. The Cowboys just a fascinating team to follow this year because of the expectations. And their defense, which we thought would be terrible, is somehow even worse than terrible. It's just, it's abysmal. Yeah. And, you know, God knows what happens the rest of the season. I do not think this Eagles team is in any way, shape, or form better than they were, like, last week. If Wentz is just playing better, which is critical. And if Wentz is making throws like the Fulgham throw, then we're good. You know what I mean? Like, like they'll, we'll, we'll have a shot in a lot of games. But I just, this team's probably not good to, like, you know, matter. But they're in first place by half a game, which brings me to... Yeah. You have... Sure, I lost it. I'm scrolling back up, and I'm going to find it. And nope, that's too far up, so I'm going to scroll back down. I need a really um, on one while you find that. Max at Max Toto Schumann. That's an it's very fascinating ad. Says Singleton, the other, and then there are two emojis. It's the white circle, and then it's the snake emoji. Are we uh, allowing that for creativity? Mm-hmm. It's on the borderline. Right. It is three words, and then it's two emojis to communicate a fourth word that was unwritten. I think it's respecting the rules, personally. It's like five total words, though, when you, like, really spell it out. Like, because I don't, I don't want to... three I, words and two emojis. I, I'm not against three words just turning into a big emoji fest just to spell out what you mean to circumvent yeah, the rules. We don't necessarily want to encourage this sort of behavior. I do, actually. I think it would be kind of oh, interesting. Okay, we want to encourage this sort of behavior. We have no standards. Yeah, it's... Good. <laughs> um, Louis Scipioni, at L underscore Scipioni, says the tie helps, exclamation point. Which, as Bucky Brooks if your would point goal out. <laughs> was to be leading the division four games into the year, then right. yes, the tie was critical. If your goal is to make the playoffs, then measurably better than a tie is a win, mm. which was an option that was on the table that we all seem to have forgotten about. You know, trying to win the game, being 2-2 two and two instead of 1-2-1, one, and one, mm. the most offensive palindromic record through four weeks that's ever existed the fact that yes the eagles are are leading the division and that's hilarious and they have a win and that's good but nothing exonerates the tie right and doug peterson goes for two on the opening touchdown to say right like like, and he 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 said uh he gave the quote he was like i don't want to get too much into the reasoning for it we just went for it we wanted to go for it and we got it Hmm. okay not wanting to go the reason into the reasoning for it leads me to believe mm. that there's not a good reason for it, which leads me to believe that you did it because you were pissed you didn't kick the field goal last week. We remember remember when Doug said last year he said we we wanted to take the, we wanted to take the kickoff. Normally they defer when they win the, the coin flip, and the and the analytics behind the coin flip says that you should defer. 
But the Eagles had been so bad at scoring on their first drive and getting out to like early like deficits that they said, screw the analytics on this one. We're going to go with our gut because what has been happening, this felt like that to me. So like Bucky Brooks and look, Bucky's had a bad couple of takes recently on Twitter said, looks like Doug P's decision to take the tie last week results in the Eagles vaulting to the top of the NFC East. I wonder if the hot take artist that slammed him last week will apologize if it becomes the deciding factor in whether Philly makes the playoffs or not, question mark. I and then swear like, like, come to, on. I swear to heaven and holy above. What are, you, what are we doing? That if the Eagles make the playoffs, like, just think, just think for one second <laughs> of the Eagles making the playoffs. Assuming, uh, uh, you know, presumably they'll win a game or two between now and then. I would hope so. Right. And if they do, you know what we'll talk about instead of their week three tie against the Bengals as the reason why they made the playoffs, Mike? The actual wins? The games they won between now and then! <laughs> right? I like mean, th- Eagles- this comes this comes on the heels of him having the backwards, like, piggybacking off the Colin, Colin Cowherd backwards hat Carson right. Wentz take, but it's not leadership. And there's like a thousand pictures of quarterbacks after wins and losses with backwards hat. There's Cam Newton look like Mr. Peanut, like it just a just a dumb uh, Bucky's just like trying to get right. attention and I hate that I'm giving it to him, but this is a uh, Right, a but dog I, we had a good take. bit about it. Yeah, exactly. So this is content. Um <laughs> Garrett at get out 7777. He has 7 followers. Did he know? Anyway, um <laughs> Don't he follow says shame. Fall- yeah, he says <laughs> Yeah, that was mean. Sorry, Garrett. <laughs> He said false positive win, which I think is a it's a it's a good like point. It's a good way of getting his point across, which is to say the Eagles won. Are they much better? Probably not. Like I brought up, like the offensive line, right. I think is a prohibitive issue. They're still playing Travis Fulgham out here, which like what are they going to bench Travis Fulgham next week for JJ Ortega Whiteside? They can't, right? right? right. Like he made an actual play, but uh, but uh, so, so when like, yeah. still has to be consistent. Like there's things right. to figure out. Yeah, exactly. There's still so much going on with this team, right? But with all of that said, a, a win is is a tremendous deal. I mean, like the, the the week of preparation, the week of practice will be so much easier. Just think about your franchise quarterback. Like there are massive positive takeaways, even if the Eagles go and get boat raced by the Steelers next week. Because they got this. They had a rallying point. They showed something, you know what I mean? Like, if Peterson never got this team out of the funk they were in, that'd be so much more concerning. Just the fact that, okay, this is an injured San Francisco team that we have a chance to beat. And the NFC sucks. Let's go get a win out here, guys. And they did. Like, that's, to me, great news, like I said, to the veteran leaders, to the coaching staff. So I point to that, which I think is a really big deal. To that point, um, you have Dev at Turkdown, for what, who says Wentz is alive. Um, and Donatello the turtle at Donatello N-G-A-T-R-T, which is Ninja Turtle. That's, Fascinating. That's, that's Ninja Turtle slang. You should, uh, just in case you didn't know. Uh, he says Carson's not problem, which, right, this was the game where you could incontrovertibly say that Carson Wentz was not the issue. And that's right. just a, a massive relief to me. Yeah, you could point to the other three games and say that certainly he was a uh, net negative on the day. This is not one of those days. Should the bar be higher? absolutely but like baby steps man it's progress it's something it's the first kind of sign of life that we've seen from this team in uh in 2020 so i'm gonna go ahead and take it and enjoy this w uh because that's that's all we have right now ben uh anything else for the gentle listeners uh before you say goodbye or do you just want to say goodbye or how 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 are we working at this time you got extra thoughts to throw out there what you got what you got so the eagles last three fourth round picks have become 
well, that's four fourth round picks. We become Kayvon Wallace. Well, uh-huh. Jack Driscoll, Kayvon Wallace, Jannard Avery, Josh Sweat, and Avante Maddox. Mm-hmm. What if we just built the whole plane out of fourth round picks? <laughs> right? Can't get a first round pick to hit to save our lives. Half of the second and third round picks are off the roster. Denel Pronfu is a fourth round pick, actually. This does not work. Never mind. Aborting mission. Um, <laughs> it's just like, man, I cannot believe Jannard Avery did something. Oh, wait, Jordan, my lot of starts is pressure by giving a shout out to Joe Osman. This is so cute. Okay. <laughs> the two battled in camp, man. Like, they've been battling for a Joe while. Joe Osman's been teaching Jordan Mylotta everything he knows about pass rushers and also beating him the entire time. <laughs> and the Eagles are practice squatting him exclusively to try to make something out of Jordan Mylotta. That's amazing. And because he's, like, a little bit good. Um, but it's and that's really, really sweet, man. Because, yeah, I remember... Joe Osman, like, on Jordan Mylotta's first camp in 2018, like, dusting him on every outside rush move. And mm. then, like, like they would go one-on-one while, like, all the other guys were walking back in the locker room. And Osman would be like, no, see, it's because you're not going backwards, and you need to go backwards. Otherwise, <laughs> I will race you, and I will win. Like, that's where Mylotta was, you know right, what I mean? Right, right. And obviously, Mylotta did not have, like, a, a horrible, got waxed in a, in a one-on-one situation this entire game. And a lot of that credit absolutely belongs to joe osman that's the unsung stuff man i mean that's that's a big thing but anyway yeah no we we Love should it. say thank you as always for listening to the kiss and soul Act show here on bgn radio we do appreciate you swinging by the eagles in prime time reaffirm that which we've known all along which is that they are winners <laughs> sure <laughs> all right <laughs> they are now one interesting take and- yeah, they're now one, two, and one at the quarter pole of the season. Like I said, with the Pittsburgh Steelers in Week Five, coming off of their impromptu bye week, uh, upcoming one o'clock game uh, to get you recapped on the entire San Francisco performance and talk about what we see via the All Twenty Two. Uh, you can find us at bleedinggreennation.com and to talk about, uh, excuse me, and to prep you for the upcoming Steelers game, we will have you on BGN Radio, of course. If you enjoy the feed. Please rate, review, and subscribe on whatever app you listen to your podcast. He's been Michael Kist on Twitter, at Michael Kist, that's K-I-S-T. I've been Benjamin Solak on Twitter, at Benjamin Solak, that's S-O-L-A-K. Travis Fulga, man, I tried to tell you, Mike, here's, you ready for the stat? You ready for mm. the stat? Yeah. The last three passing plays of 40 yards by the Eagles. This is from Ruben Frank. Uh, let me guess. Deontay Burnett, Travis Fulgham, oh man, Josh Perkins. Jalen Rager in week one. Oh, that's but right. But all the three of them were from players who were starting their first game for the Eagles. <laughs> it was their first game. That's, that's the No, And by the way, Deshaun Jackson's on this football team. Anyway, thanks for listening. 6.9 yards per attempt for Carson Wentz. I didn't know this game was in France because that's nice. All right. We all we got. We all we need. Fly, Eagles, fly. Fly.